0: Good morning, today I wanna talk to you about those people. (laughs) Now just for fun, I want you to raise your hand if you think you might know what I'm talking about when I say those people. Yeah, some of you know who those people are. They might be sitting right beside you, so be really, really careful. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say those people, well those people, they're everywhere. They're challenging. Those people, they can be critical. They can be controlling, arrogant, mean. Those people know everything about everything, right? <laughs> and if you don't think so, they're going to tell you. You can find them shouting on social media. You can see them spreading rumors at the office. They will be, there will be at least one of those people at every big family gathering. And If you say, man, Stephen, there's not one of those people in my family. Well, guess what? It's because it's probably you. <laughs> They're everywhere. And so that's why today we're going to talk to you about dealing with those people in a way that honors who they are and shows the love of God. And so if you'll join me today in prayer, that would be awesome. Father God, um, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for the amazing truths that we, that we find, Lord, all through scripture. And we Lord, we, we thank you that that truth never, <laughs> never is empty, it never returns void, but God, it, 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 it gives us life, and it gives us this road map that we're to follow. So Lord, I pray today, as I come as your humble servant, Lord, I pray that you would use the words, Lord, that you've given, and Lord, that you would, you would speak to hearts, and you would challenge minds today, and we ask these things, Father, in your name, amen. Amen. Well, I, as Doug said, my name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, last week, Pastor Doug kicked off this new series called Offended. Um, he talked about how people matter more than your point of view. And man, if you weren't here last weekend or if you weren't able to join us online last weekend, I would encourage you, go back and listen to that message because I guarantee you it will challenge you. As followers of Jesus, we know that we are called to love. We're called to love everybody and we're even called to love those people. Yeah. Admittedly, some of those people are a little more difficult to love today than ever before, because there's so much tension in our world. And if you find yourself like I do, easily frustrated or often offended, I wanna let the words of Apostle Paul from Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 26, speak to your heart today. And we're gonna read through this entire passage, starting in verse 26, and I'm just gonna hit a few verses here. Ephesians 4, 26, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Scripture teaches us to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So let's start at the top and we're gonna work our way through this text today. The word of God again says in verse 26, in your anger do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. This verse is power packed. We could probably spend a few weeks just on this one specific verse, verse 26. In your anger do not sin, which implies the fact that it must not be a sin to be angry. (laughs) Which, I don't know about you, but that's really good news for me today. <laughs> because chances are we might be angry, we might be offended. If you go out today anywhere and interact with people, you could be offended. If you go online and interact with people today, you could be offended. If, if you open a news app on your phone today, chances are you could be offended somewhere, somehow. And I try to remind myself that there is simply no win in being offended. There's no victory. I've never found my life becoming more joyful when I'm ticked off about what someone has said to me. My marriage has never gotten better when I'm angry at some injustice in the world. I've never gotten closer to God when I'm offended. And so what do I need to remember? I need to remember that there is no win in living offended. But when it does happen, what do I do? Well, I tell myself this, and this is our main thought today. If you want to write it down, if you want to take notes this morning, my main thought is this, being offended is inevitable, but living offended, it's a choice. Being offended is going to happen. It's probably going to happen Often, someone is going to offend you. You might not even get out of our parking lot today without finding yourself offended at someone. Being offended, it's, it's inevitable, but living offended is a choice. It's going to happen, but you still choose how to respond to that offense. And so we have to be really careful because if we hold on to anger, if we're always nurturing an offense, what we're actually doing is we're giving the devil, we're giving Satan, the father of lies, the prince of darkness, we're giving him what scripture calls a foothold in your life. Now when I was in college, I, I loved to, to go rock climbing. And uh, there's a group of guys that we would go almost every weekend somewhere and, uh, and, and climb. And, and I remember being on a face of a rock and looking up at that rock and, and starting to figure out, okay, where are my hands gonna go? Looking for those handholds that I was going to be able to latch onto. Um, and, and even more important was looking down and seeing where my feet were going to go because, man, I, I knew how important it was for my feet to be in a good po- position because even as huge as my arms are, They weren't gonna hold this amazing physique for very long, right? It wasn't going to happen. So the most important part of my climb was always looking down at my feet because if my feet were in a good position, if my feet had a good foothold, man, that climb was gonna go so much better and I was gonna feel better at the end of it. Now, I went back this week and I found a picture of, of some of those glory days and so I wanted to show that to you this morning. Yeah. That is my face. That is not my body, nor am I, or have I ever climbed El Cap. Don't plan to, not gonna happen. <laughs> but I was a happy, camp, happy climber, right? Happy climber, yeah, awesome. I did some research this week on the word foothold. And what I found was the word was a little bit different than maybe what I just expressed. The word in the original language is topos. And this word literally means a place or a room. In other words, if you go on and live in your anger, you're you're giving the devil a place in your heart. You're giving him room or a foothold to work on your life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to give the devil any access to anything that matters to me. I don't want to give him access to my family. I don't wanna give him access to my marriage. I don't wanna give him access to my friends. I don't wanna give him access to my church. But if we live in anger, if we harbor bitterness, and if we live easily offended, scripture says you're giving our spiritual enemy access to your life. So what do you think the enemy of our soul is going to do? The number one goal of our enemy, and you know the scripture is to steal, to kill and destroy, right? So what do you think he's going to do? Well, I think there are three things that he's going to try to do in our lives. And I call these the three dimensions of destruction. First, he's going to try and divide family, friends and churches. And let's be real, if he wants to do that, It would be easier to do that today than ever before, right? All he has to do is get us talking about politics. Throw in some racial division with people with misunderstandings and toxic opinions or bring up some vaccine stuff. Yeah, just throw that in. It could completely destroy friendships, could completely divide families. And of course, our enemy is going to try to divide Christians, because when Christ follower, followers are divided, they are weak and ineffective. Let me say that when Christ followers are divided, they are weak and ineffective. But when they are united, they are unstoppable. Amen. Yes. Second, our enemy is going to distract. He's going to distract Christ followers from their mission. He wants to distract us. He wants to get us arguing about anything, anything in our culture, get us to boycott a business, get us angry about some sin, get us complaining about the latest Netflix show that's on and, and even more upset that, that our friends aren't as upset about it as we are, right? He wants to distract us. And so our enemy's gonna divide us in any way he can. He's going to distract us from our mission. And the third thing is he wants to discredit our witness, and again, this one's relatively easy for him to do because if he can get us focusing on what we are against, what we're mad about, keeping us angry, keeping us critical, keeping us judgmental, keeping us hypocritical, keeping us self-centered and self-righteous, then he's doing exactly what he wants to do, and when I look at our world today I think that the forces of darkness are actively using anger to discredit and weaken the body of Christ. The devil is working overtime to divide, to distract, and to discredit. We see some of the people that should be the most loving being incredibly mean and harsh in ways that hurts so many people. And that's why there's a part of this verse I don't want us to miss, still in Ephesians 4.26, it tells us this, not to let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the day come to an end when you're still harboring an offense against someone. In other words, the verse implies something powerful. It implies this, that the day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. I wanna say that one more time. The day of your hurt has to be also the the start of the day of your healing. The same way, the same day that someone offends you should be the very same day. There's a follower of Jesus who are working on reconciliation into that relationship. The healing may not be completed that day because sometimes those hurts are so deep. That offense can be so big, but it has to start. Now, I absolutely love the outdoors. Um, And one of the things I look to every year, there's a group of guys that I go on an extended fishing trip with every year. And we're out in the middle of nowhere and it's amazing and we get to fish hard all day long and it's it's just a really, really cool time. But one of my favorite moments is every night, in the pitch dark, no city lights to interfere or anything, is we light a campfire and we just sit around and we chat. We talk about the day, we talk about life. And it's a really, really cool thing. At some point, though, every evening, you know, someone had thrown that last log on the fire a little too late because now everyone's tired, right? And We gotta make sure, obviously, that the fire is out. Um, The Rocky Mountain National Park Service, their webpage instructs campers like this. Before leaving or going to sleep, completely extinguish your fire by dousing it with water and stirring the ashes until there's no more heat, smoke, or embers. See, campfires, campfires can be extremely dangerous and they have to be treated with extreme care, right? Because it doesn't take much for just one single ember to cause massive destruction. They must be completely extinguished. And it's not enough to let a fire die down, or just to break it up, or even throw some dirt and dust on it, we're supposed to just cover it in water and make sure it's completely out. Because otherwise, it can be completely devastating. Now this same type of principle has been huge for my marriage over the last 28 years. And I give Amber all the credit for this one because early on in our marriage, she said, we're not gonna go to sleep mad. Now you notice I didn't say we're not gonna go to bed mad. I said we're not gonna go to sleep mad. And sometimes that can be, if I'm gonna be completely honest, that can be pretty annoying. (laughs) Because sometimes I just wanna go to sleep. I wanna say, hey, let's worry about this tomorrow. But she says, no, we're not gonna do that. And that has been huge for me. And you know what's interesting? This is a completely side note, completely random. I don't know how this is possible, but every single person in this room, every person joining us online today, if you're married, you know that there are unwritten rules of how you fight in bed, and you didn't learn this in a premarital class or anything like that, but the second, the first time you had a fight and you went to bed, there's these unwritten rules. There's ways to gain points and there's ways to lose points. Some of you are already like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, Stephen, I know exactly what you're talking about, because when you get in bed and you're in a fight, what do you do? You gotta be back to back. I mean, that's a point. You get a point if you're back to back, right? You get another point if you huff. Now, I'm a master huffer. I guarantee I'll I'll, I'll compete with any one of you out in in the room today. Man, a point for huffing. How about this one? Um, A point for violently turning away from the other person. And an extra half a point if you bring the covers with you, right? <laughs> but there's ways to lose points too. You you lose points if you left if you let your uh, your toe sneak over to the other side and touch the other person on the other side of the bed, right? You lose a point. And you, you absolutely lose the entire thing if you do something godly like talk first. We know the rules how different do you think our friendships would be and our families would be and the body of Christ would be if on the day I offended you, I also came to you and asked for forgiveness? Or the day you offended me and I had the graces I've been given so many times to choose to forgive you, how different do you think our world would be that on the same day of the hurt, As followers of Jesus, we worked toward the healing. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry because you don't want to give the devil access to divide, to distract, and discredit you from being who God has called you to be. So let's read on. Verse 29, the word of God says this, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How, how are you doing with that one? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. No belittling, no bad mouthing, no criticizing, no gossiping, no name calling, no let's go Brandon. Don't let anything come out of your mouth except for what is helpful to build others up, to encourage, to be a blessing. The way these words, unwholesome talk, are translated from the original language is simply this, foul or filthy. They're used to refer to rotten wood, diseased lungs, rancid fish, withered flowers, rotten fruit. The image here is of something that is absolutely putrid, stinky, utterly repellent. Words are powerful and can have a negative effect if not taken great care Neil Anderson, who's a pastor and counselor, talking about this verse in Ephesians 4.29, he says this, if we could memorize, if we can memorize just one verse from the New Testament, put it into practice and never violate it, I believe we would resolve half to three-fourths of the problems in our homes and churches. That, my friends, is powerful. So here are a few suggestions I think might be helpful in all of our relationships I feel the first thing is this, we're never going to call people names. There's no reason, no excuse to be dishonoring or tearing anybody down by calling names. Another suggestion would be never to raise your voice. Do you, do you have you ever been changed when someone's been yelling at you? I mean, I, I know I haven't. People are changed when we're loving. The next suggestion is this, never get historical. Notice I didn't say hysterical, I said historical. Actually, don't get hysterical either. But in in regards to (laughs) historical, we're not gonna go back in time and say, remember back when you did this, remember back when you did that. So never call names, never raise your voice, never get historical, and then never say never or always. You never do this, you always do that because it's just not true and it's not helpful. And for those of you that are married, I would suggest this. Never threaten divorce. It's not going to come up in our house. And the most important rule is this I want to make sure you're with me. So, can everyone say, I'm ready? I'm ready. <sighs> okay, not real great. I think maybe 15% of you are ready. So, we're going to say it one more time say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, here's the most important rule. Most important rule. Please. Never quote your pastor during a fight. (laughs) Just don't do it. Leave us out of it, please. I know some of our quotes are amazing, but please just leave us out of your fight, except for one exception. I give my wife permission to quote me if she needs to (laughs) in a fight. So summarize these helpful tips on relationships. I would say it this way. The way Paul said it in Ephesians 4, 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up, speaking directly into their needs. Now if you're like me when you find yourself angry, I'm tempted sometimes to justify my anger. I'm tempted to defend it. They hurt me so I'm right and they're wrong, right? They, they, they betrayed me so, so I'm right and they're wrong. And so sometimes we would call our anger a righteous anger. And Pastor Doug talked about this a little bit last week as well. And I've used those words before where I've said, man, I have this righteous anger. And you could probably argue that there is a time for that, but I just wanna unpack this for just a second. If we wanna stick with that metaphor of righteous anger or not. Because anger, you see, it's fire. Anger is a rage. Anger is destructive. Do you wanna justify your anger and try to say that it's righteous? Well, you can make that decision for yourself, but here's what the apostle said in verse 31. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger and brawling and slander. It's almost like Paul is saying, God I'm gonna name every single thing I can possibly think of. And he's already made this list of these things before. But he goes on to say, along with every other form of malice. (laughs) Thanks, Paul. And then in verse 32, he says something that is absolutely profound. And first, let me tell you what he doesn't say. You're ready for what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, be arrogant about your moral superiority. He doesn't say be critical of everyone who thinks differently from you. He doesn't say be harsh because you're dealing with difficult people. What he does say is this, be kind and compassionate with one another. (laughs) Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Can we let that just sink in for just a moment? What are we to do? We're to get rid of all anger and slander and malice. Instead, we're supposed to be kind, compassionate and forgiving. So the question is this, where? Where are we supposed to be compassionate and forgiving? And the answer is this, we have to be up close. We have to be up close. So imagine with me just for a second, you're standing in a room and someone has offended you, someone has made you angry and they're over there. Now, I'm not really pointing at someone over there because I can't see faces. So I have no idea who's sitting over there, so please don't take offense of what I'm saying. But if we, if we imagine this and we're saying, hey, I love you, hey, I forgive you, I know you did wrong to me, but hey, we're good. That is not the way Kindness, that is not the way compassion, and that is not the way forgiveness works. It works when we're up close. We have to be up close. It's really easy to shout truth from a distance, but it takes time to love up close. It's incredibly ineffective to shout and be angry from a distance. It's incredibly effective And this is a verse Doug talked about last week, to be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger. To understand people's hurts, to understand their fears, to have compassion for a different way of thinking instead of trying to be right all of the time and forfeiting God's call to be loving. See, because being offended, being offended, it's inevitable. But living offended It's a choice. When is the last time that we just listened to someone who's incredibly different than we are? And we loved them, even though they're different. Being kind and compassionate. It's easy to throw that truth grenade in from the distance, right? It takes time, it takes work, it takes effort to love somebody up close. So I have this friend and he is one of those people. I mean, he's so one of those people. He is right about everything, and I mean everything. He's right about how church should be done. He's right about what theology is right and all, what all churches are doing wrong. He knows how everybody should spend their money. He's right about how everybody should raise their kids. He knows what the government does wrong. He knows the truth about COVID and his sources are right and he listens to the right doctors and the right politicians. And some of you are saying, dude, I know that guy. I'm friends with him too. That's crazy. But then it dawned on me. What if I'm one of those people? Because let's be honest, like, I I know quite a bit about quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I'm the guy with the mic today telling you how to do life. What if I'm... One of those people. But here's my question, what if you are too? Because I can guarantee you this, there's quite a bit of self-righteousness in each one of us. And that's why it's incredibly important to pray a really dangerous prayer, a really humbling prayer. And it's found in Psalms 139, 23, and 24, where it says this, search me, God. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. And then this part gets me. God, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. God, search my heart. Show me, God, where I'm arrogant. Show me where I'm judgmental. Show me where I'm self-deceived. God, show me where I'm harboring anger. God, show me where I'm carrying an offense. God, show me where I'm not being kind. God, show me where I'm not being compassionate. Show me where I'm not being forgiven. God, help me to get rid of all anger and malice and slander. Help me to be kind and compassionate because I don't want to give the devil a foothold in my life. I don't want to give the devil a foothold in my marriage. I don't want to give him a foothold in my family. I don't want to give him a foothold with my friends or in my church. I don't want to give the devil a place or a room Because our spiritual enemy, he wants to divide, he wants to distract, he wants to discredit, he wants to destroy. So see, being offended, it's inevitable. But living offended by the grace of God and the goodness of God, living offended is a choice. And in the same way I've been forgiven, I choose to be more forgiving because I don't know about you, but my life has never been better when I've been angry. I've never made a difference when I'm in my flesh. I've never been more loving when I've been offended. And what I've noticed is this, that every single moment that I'm angry, I lose a minute of joy. Every moment that I'm angry, I lose a minute of peace. Every moment that I'm angry, I lose an opportunity to be a light and a difference in someone's life that needs Jesus more than anything else. And that's why I know being offended, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. But living offended is a choice. And scripture tells us, hey, if you do get angry, deal with it. Don't go to bed. Take it before God. Because we don't want to give the devil any room. We don't want to give him space in our lives. And as followers of Jesus, we have a higher calling. We're not just going to shout it from a distance. But we're going to get up close. We're gonna hurt with them. You know how we're gonna do that? We're gonna be kind. We're gonna be compassionate. We're gonna forgive one another, just as Jesus forgives us. And if we do that, we can keep the devil out. We can make a difference. Now I would love to say, that what I've been talking about today, that I have it down. I would love to say that I don't struggle, but can I be really honest with you this morning? I wasn't preaching to any of you today. I was preaching to me. I get so many of these principles wrong all the time. A few of you know a little bit of my story but I grew up in a Christian home. Actually, my parents were both pastors and missionaries. And um, shortly after my dad retired, he was on a fishing trip. And he, he slipped and fell in a boat, and it caused a massive subdural hematoma in his brain. <clears throat> that should have taken him out right at that moment, but he survived that injury. But that one moment made the next 10 years of dad's life look way different than what our family um, would have wanted or hoped for. And to say that I had overwhelming moments of anger of why God? Why would you do this to a man that I love? Why would you do this to someone that's your child, to a follower of Jesus? Why would you do this to someone that had made such an amazing difference in this world? Why, God? To say that I didn't have those feelings would be a huge understatement. But one of the great joys was that mom and dad moved here to Castle Rock. In the last five years of dad's life, we were able to help a little. That is when mom let us, we were able to help and care for this amazing man that had done so much for us. And even though I still have questions and even though there are still moments that I just simply don't understand, I know that living that way, it's a choice because see, I know that being offended or being angry, it's inevitable, but living that way, it's a choice. A divided world needs a united church. A dark world needs a people full of light. We're not going to let the sun go down while we're still angry. We're not going to let unwholesome talk come out of our mouth. We're only going to do what is helpful for building people up. We're going to get rid of all bitterness, and instead, we're going to be... We're going to be kind. We're going to be compassionate. We're going to let God search our hearts. We're going to let him direct our steps because we're not here to make a point, church. We're here to make a difference. And we make that difference with the love of Jesus.